in the battle. And has he done it yet? It is Rorty! Hello everyone, welcome back to the Final Tackle Podcast and we are joined by 1999 Melbourne Storm Grand Final winner and try scorer in that match where they chased down the Dragons. His name is Ben Rorty. Thanks for joining us today. This episode is brought to you by our proud sponsor, Gold Coast Trading Cards. They are an authorized TLA trading card dealer and they are the NRL collector's choice from box breaks to individual cards they sell thousands of them from the 1960s up until recent 2020s and into the future 2021s coming out next year be sure to get all of your nrl trading card needs at gold coast trading Cards. thank you very much thank you for having me mate no 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 dramas um so let's get stuck into it 98 you make your nrl debut with the storm who are also making their debut season that year what was it like for you and the atmosphere surrounding the storm that season it was amazing. 97, I, 96, 97, played in a Super League reserve grade for Canterbury. Yep. Um, didn't get a contract for first grade, and um, I was sitting at work as a fitter and turner in a factory in Shalora mm. in Sydney, um, and I rang my manager. I said, Melbourne Storm starting a team down in there. Can you give him a ring, Chris Anderson, who knew me from Canterbury reserve grade? Can you give him a ring? Next minute, I met Chris Anderson at the pub. We had three or four schooners. He wrote me a contract on the back of the Daily Telegraph. And um, he said to me, only it was a Tuesday. He said, the only stipulation is you have to be in Melbourne by Friday. Okay. So I was one of those guys, walked back in, put my feet in the, the boss's desk on his, in his office, put him up, and he said, what the fuck are you doing? Get your feet off the like, desk. Mate, I'm out of here. <laughs> I quit. I go to Melbourne, and I start. Um, so I moved down there. What did the boss say after that? Like, did he say, yeah, yeah, good luck with that yeah. or something? Yeah, he said, I'll keep an eye on you. You probably won't make it. And I said, yeah, I've heard that before. Um, but then I get to Melbourne, next minute, Tuttle with Nick Gow's there. Yep. Stephen, um, sorry, not Stephen Kearney that year, uh, Lazarus, Rodney Howe. Scotty Hill. Um, Scotty Hill, Robbie Kearns, all these superstars. And um, I was in awe of them. And I just sat back and listened and got told what to do. And then, um, you know, the preseason was very, very tough. I was a bit overweight and I was a, a bit of a piss pot, still am now. And uh, I just had to manage my drinking around my training. So that yeah. was the start of the eighth season. And then no, that's fair. And then you guys made the finals that year as well. What was oh, it like as a, as a club? You know, you made the finals of you know the Amazing. first club, the first finals for the club. And it's if anything, that yeah. set the precedence to what's gone on over the last oh. decade, two decades of the team. Sorry, continue. Exactly right, mate. Exactly right. Um, we were make or break that year. Mm. Um, you know, the Adelaide Rams come in and, and folded, as did um, the Perth Reds and the Hunter so we'll Mariners. You know, they Hunter Mariners, they spent a lot of money, got some great players and some and some little pissheads like myself and Russell Bowden. <laughs> I say that with all due respect. Um, they got us down there. We just bonded together. We didn't know what we were doing in a new town. No one knew us. Went to the nightclubs, had a couple of punch-ups, um, had the police come to the first. Back when you could do it and not get seen on the media the next day for yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, we had the police come to training before the 98 season after we were punching on in nightclubs and stuff and <laughs> just making our, our presence known down there. We actually got beat up I think but but that, that's how we all started and and that year we did remarkably well um to make the semi-finals of the first year was surreal mm. and I was just happy to play first grade I think I played 25 games the first year and I was like holy Christ You're like shit I'm a regular first grader <laughs> yeah now the second year is like second year syndrome mm. now I got rookie of the year the first year I think mm. rookie of the year and I was like what's going on now and then you know everybody knows about season two yeah, season uh, two was an amazing year for the Storm. It was 99, obviously. It was the grand final year where Craig Smith had a penalty try awarded for him. You scored a try as well in that game. What was that game in particular like for you guys the week leading up to it, you know, grand final week? And then the score and in the winning yeah. grand final, you know? Amazing. You know, we travelled up 
earlier in the week and we had the grand final breakfast and um, and that was surreal sitting around with all the media on the big table and you know no one ever asked me questions I was just a, I always just was on the bench with Rusty Bowden and, and Danny Williams and Paul Marquette or we just we were known as the bench crew and we we loved it we we knew we'd get on the field and we'd try and knock them out or knock the ball out of their hands yep. try, get them tired yep four big boys we come on and we were like the heavies that's all we did run on smash the shit out of them and go back off. Yep. The game went on, you know, reasonably well. Half time we're down by 14-4. We mm. get asked by Chris Anderson, just have fun, do what you do at training and back your own ability. Okay, so we definitely pin the ears back with that try. Yeah, so, you know, Danny Williams is a good friend of mine. He says to me, I'll run you a decoy. And, and in a grand final, who wants to run a decoy? You want the ball. Yeah. And he told me, I'll run a decoy for Rorts. Next minute, that hole just opened up. I grabbed the ball, put it down, straightforward try. Um, the funny part was my, my dad was in the crowd with with like, you know everybody else, but he actually went out for a um, he actually went out for a piss and he was in the toilets and, and he missed the try. Around. People are jumping around, coming into the toilets and going, "What's going on? What's going on?" He's going, "What's going on?" He's Rorty just got. He goes, "Rorty, that's my son," and he actually missed my try. And they oh. they lifted him up, sitting in the toilets with him. So that was <laughs> wow. amazing and amazing feeling, you know. And, it's what you play rugby league for, you know. Yep. You know, it's kind of 107,000 people, and as any kid's dream comes true to play NRL and the, and the grand final winner. So, look, Mate, lucky man. Exactly. And then you then went on to have a little stint with the Panthers. And anyone who may not know, you actually exited the Panthers halfway through their grand final winning season in 03. Was there a bit of a kicking yourself about it um, after what, you know, because you went to know what was going to happen? But, you know, talk us through the 03. Well, I'll tell you about what happened. Joel Clinton stood up at the start of 2003. I heard you talking to Paul Fatterier about that. And Joel Clinton stood up at the start of 2003 after he came near last in 2002. Mm. And he said, you know what, boys? I've got a feeling I'm going to win the comp this year. And they're all young team. We got flogged last year. And, um, you know, I'd won a grand final a couple of years early. And I was going, if we do the right thing and we train hard, and we might be a shot. Fast forward to round eight. 2003, halfway through the season, we were you know, second or third on the ladder. My contract was up at the end of the year. Yep. Um, and I looked at the roster coming through, you know, your Luke Rooney, your Luke, Luke Lewis. Yep. <laughs> Both Lukes. Yep. Trent Waterhouse. And I'm going to be one of the greatest players. Trent Waterhouse, Joe Nullivau, all those guys. They were going to be upgraded contract. And I was on a good contract coming from Storm to Premiership player. Um, I was reading a big league magazine on the way to a game. Yeah. I think we're playing the I, Cowboys. I was going to say, was it you, was it a game you were playing in or was it a game you were going to watch? Oh, we were going to play it and I was reading the big league and I rang my manager on the way to the game and I said, mate, there's an opportunity in England. Get on and ring Tony Smith, the coach over there. He rang Tony Smith. The deal was done the next couple of days. Then I got a release from the club reluctantly, not knowing they're going to win the grand final and went to England. Yeah. Had a, you know, The coach said, you've got to be over here by Friday. It was Tuesday once again, mm. same as when I started at Storm and... Um, as do, I was saying, do you, you think if, if yes, yeah, sorry, I was going to say, do you think if maybe you had your time over, you would have asked for, can I start next season with Huddersfield? Granted, regardless <laughs> of if the grand final had gone on or not that year, do you reckon you yeah. would have preferred to go, you know, at yeah. the end of the season? It's probably the first time I've thought about that, CJ, and that's a great question. Um, it's probably the first time I've thought about it like that. Sorry. I had a two and a half year contract in front of me in England there, and I was 28. And I was a businessman. I was happy to retire at 30. I had my goal to play 23 to 30 and retire. Yep. I just saw the money, England. I wanted to go to England and travel the world. And yeah, that would have been amazing. Yeah. And I just said, bugger it, let's go. And they, you know, 
the contract might not have been there for a year later. That's true. So that's true. Yeah, later, it, so, exactly. You know, no, that's yeah. fair. That's a very, very fair and valid point. And you uh, take opportunities uh, when you can. You do take the opportunities when you can. And I come home and watch the grand final. As I said, I was at Nelson Bay Country Club up the New South Wales coast. Yep. I had 60 of my mates there in the pub on my Bucks party. Yep. And I sat right in front of the TV like this. And um, and then you I watched had, your boys I win it. Tears. I had some tears after the game. And, was it uh, tears of joy or tears of a little bit of regret or a bit of both? This year was crying regret. Yep. This I was crying regret. And this yep. I was crying joy for the boys who I love yeah. them and still love them well, today. And, you were uh, there with them through the through the tough parts, you know, in O2 yeah. laying the foundation, which is amazing. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, you can look back and say I had some influence on I was an older player. I had some influence on the, the positivity and the strength and the development of those younger players, you know. And that's that's exactly what I was hoping I'd, I'd done. So. Well, for sure. And you had the old heads there steering them as well, like Sats. And Sats with that tackle, you know, just it's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then you went over to England, as we just said. Yeah, goosebumps. I literally got goosebumps. Um, <laughs> and you went over to Huddersfield and, and Castleford as well. What was it like playing over in England? Well, you know, I was a bench player in Australia. Stephen at Penrith ended up being on the bench. I didn't play my best football there, with all due respect to that. I went out of England and ended up getting player of the year and being captain of Huddersfield oh. Giants. Oh, wow. And player of the year. And, that, and it, you know, that's no disrespect to anybody I played with or the English rugby league. But, no. you know, I fit in well there. It was like I've got English and Irish heritage. I think I fit in well. And I, I started a drinking club there, oh. uh, a midweek drinking club. And, with the um, team? With the team. And uh, after being there a couple of weeks, they got me in as an older player with a bit more experience. And I said to the um, boys, I said, we're going to get together and drink midweek. We did it yeah. at Melbourne. We're going to do it there. Um, Maybe that's what the secret of the success was for 99. Yeah. Uh, one of my mates has just rocked up, knocking on my window out the front <laughs> wanting to have a beer while I sit here talking to you, which is fine. Um, so, so our success was built at Melbourne Storm being a, a, a good, you know, we had fun. We had a few beers midweek and with it, the culture was about. So I tried to introduce it in the UK. We've been in a drinking club about uh, four weeks. Yep. And uh, one of the, the coach pulled aside one of our players, Brandon Pearson or Brandon Coston at the time. He says, just be wary of Ben Rorty. He's got the type of attitude he might start a drinking club. <laughs> and uh, little did he know that we'd been drinking for four weeks on a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, hey, had... at least it was Tuesday. It wasn't a Thursday training. It wasn't a game nah. day or anything. So nah, it was Tuesday. And, and, and that year in 2003... They, they beat St. Helens, Leeds, Wigan, and um, um, Bradford Bulls it's def- for the first it's time definitely, in 20 years. It's definitely the drinking midweek that, that got it. Melbourne Storm in 99 and Huddersfield getting those big wins. Far out. That's it. We won some great games. And I had a great time over there. And then moving to 2005, unfortunately, I had an injury that a lot of rugby players get. I got hit on the head reasonably hard. I popped a disc in my neck. So I had Ooh. the surgery across there and had the metal plate put in my neck and four screws. Um, and that was... Then I Not played a, a little time. bit a year later with Castleford and I played shit. It was, it was, it was, I went one year too long and yeah, didn't enjoy my rugby league. So. No, that's fair. Um, let's touch on some fun topics now because we've covered the career a bit. What team <laughs> did you follow as a kid? I followed the Bulldogs. Um, okay. um, when I started tra- playing, I was taken to the pub by my dad when I was five or six, dragged down by my ear, <laughs> stand out the front of the pub here. I'm going to talk to your coach. He come out. We went to training the first week and he says, you know why we're playing this club? Gary Hughes' son plays in the team. You know, Gary, there was three Hughes, Gary, Mark, and Graham Hughes in the in the 80s and 70s with Canterbury. Yep. His son was called Stephen Hughes. And then it was Glenn Hughes and Corey Hughes, all yep. had great careers with Canterbury. And I think they played the Sharks as well. So 
went down there, followed the Bulldogs at training, met Gary Hughes, was on TV on Sunday Arvo, and that was that's what I did. And I grew up and I played, you know, I was a, the, the really the, the thing that I talked to the kids about, I didn't make any representative teams until I was 17. Wow. And I see guys today, if they haven't made under 13s, 14s, 15s, 16s, they give up and they get on the, the drugs and the alcohol and the everything else. And I didn't make a representative team until I was 17. Um, and then it was Canterbury, 17, 19s, 21s, reserve grade. And, uh, you know, a little bit of a regret in my life was not playing first grade for Canterbury, but Simon Gillies and, and Solomon Amano and those guys were a couple of years older and they had yeah. their spots cemented and unfortunately I didn't get a spot. So that's no, it. that's Canterbury fair. Bulldogs is the answer. No, that's fair. Um, and speaking of retirement days, uh, you I don't know if you still have it, but do you still have your strawberry farm in Echuca or near, near Echuca? Yeah, if you look at my Wikipedia page, it uh, says that I own a strawberry farm north does, of Echuca. Yeah. The honest answer to that, but don't spread the rumour too much, is I do not. And Wikipedia can be edited by any of your friends that at any time. <laughs> um, I think it happened to Branko Lee the other day after State of Origin, someone mm-hmm. hijacked his one. And um, it also said that I was a co-host on um, one of the, the, the game shows on TV at one stage. So oh, okay. that's updated. <laughs> It just solidifies the, things. The Echuca is still there. stuck in there. It's still... I leave it there. Yeah. I've never taken it down. And, and some people, they'll come up and go, oh, do you like strawberries? you got a strawberry farm. I'll say, you've been reading my Wikipedia. I go, oh, nah. Yeah, nah. So that's the honest answer. Uh, I, don't I mean, I try and Google... I, I do obviously check Wikipedia and then I also go to rugby league project to check how many games players played, you know, just to fact check and stuff. There's also oh, yeah. another fact in there that you started up a charity or were a co-founder of called camp for cancer. What's that about? Yes. And um, what was the story behind starting it? Great question. Thanks for asking. Mm. Um, I'll give it in a, the shortest possible answer about Eight, nine years ago, both my parents died of cancer. Oh, shit. I'm um, sorry, dude. My mum had cancer 10 years ago and my dad had cancer a few years ago. Uh, luckily, both, okay. yeah, luckily, both were all good and lived through it, but I can only imagine what it was like to, yeah. to lose a parent. Yeah, it was it. tragic. Um, and my mother was always a really giving person, loved helping people, et cetera, et cetera. So I was driving home one day and I just went past the park. And I said, I want to put an event on, raise money for cancer research. Yeah. It's camp, what I like doing. Yeah, cancer. our bush sort of thing. I've got a property up here, and, and over the last couple of years... We've Is got, that in Echuca? <laughs> yeah, just, just south of Echuca by about an hour and a half. Um, we have 600 people. Anyone who's wondering where they can donate, even because I'm sure people can donate even when it's not at Camp for Cancer events, I'll put yes. the links in the description to this episode and everyone can Thank try you. and get on board for that. No dramas at on, all. Yeah, if you're on Facebook, you just quite simply like the page Camp with the number four, Camp yep. for Cancer. Yeah. And that takes you through all the videos and all the stuff I've done over the past few years. Well, it's amazing. Um, I, I definitely did watch as many of those as I could. And I, you know, because as I said, big advocate for cancer awareness wow. and, and all that because my family as well. So 100%, I'll, I'll definitely help out as much as I can with that. And yeah, exactly. Mum's a survivor yeah. of breast cancer. Dad's a survivor of kidney kidney cancer um yeah they they got that early they found that in stage one which is almost unheard of um and nan has just been diagnosed with breast about well close to two to three months ago now she's all right they're they're it's it's all good thank you very much but yeah she's all good um let's put it this way they said the cancer is not going to kill her and she's 84 right so oh, nice. well, yeah. they know their stuff the doctors deal with it every day and they know this stuff so exactly um what is your current beer of choice that i see you drinking there mate that's a carlton draft oh carlton uh, draft 
Nice. Yeah, Carlton Draft. Also drink VB. Um, actually drink any beer. Uh, yeah. Always have, always will. An open one uh, is your favourite. Open, <laughs> open beer, um, you know, it's a culture I grew up with, um, managing how many drinks you have per week after a game. And I'll tell you a quick funny story. Go for it. When we played at Storm and we used to play at a place called Etihad Stadium, I think it's yep. called yep. Marvel Stadium now. It's now Marvel, but Etihad is what um, I'll always call it. Um, we'd sit in there and Russell Bowden and I'd, I'd get in there and Chris Anderson do his talk. Whether we won or lost or had a draw, we didn't give a shit. We played our best. We weren't one to sit there and sulk. Mm. We'd be sitting there looking at each other and the game had finished. And we'd run into the dressing room and get two chairs and sit in the shower and take a six-pack of beer or eight beers. Shower beer beers. Stuffy. Yep. And we used to get visited by a couple of celebrities that come in and talk to us. Uh, Molly Meldrum was always in the, in the, in the change rooms watching us, um, which, is, which is pretty funny. He's a big celebrity and, and, and um, supporter of Melbourne Storm. But he'd, he'd watch me and Rusty run off with our beers while everyone else is outside commiserating and feeling shit that we'd just been beaten. Me and Russell would be in the showers drinking VB stubbies after every game. <laughs> That's it. Shower <laughs> beers after every game, mate. That's great. Um, yeah. Speaking of grand finals, the 2020 grand final was a very bit of a haphazard season with COVID and the Melbourne Storm won it. What are your thoughts on the season and Melbourne Storm winning it as a whole? Far out. Melbourne, you know, it's half start of the year. It's, it's, they've done it so many times over the years. You look at their playing roster and you go, oh, too many amateurs. You know, and then they, they do uh, this. <laughs> uh, someone, someone called Pappenhausen comes out and Munster comes out and then you get this and that Brandon Smith excels and then Branko Lee in the centres, never heard of him. Um, Josh Adokar's playing fantastic football, and I don't want to do any disrespect to Felice Kafusi no. uh, and and all and, you know all the boys. I know them all really well, and and, and they just come together probably about um, eight weeks before the grand final. Panthers are doing great, and I had mm. a bet on them. The Panthers <laughs> to win. I bet on Panthers oh, to win. So yeah. as the game unfolded, I was like, I said to my mates, I said, I just lost me fucking money, but my mates and my culture and my family, which I call Storm, have won. Yeah, and that's it's, it. It's amazing, and and I'm sure you know you might ask about Cameron Smith, but I, I think if it, if it was a question, I think Smith will retire, go into the media, and and live in Queensland. Oh, I don't know. Like, he's got a media more. job. There's no if buts or coconuts oh. about it. He's got a job for the media <laughs> for sure. I don't think. Um, I don't think it's worth him going into coaching. Coaching's too stressful, too long hours, too mm. this and that. And he's been so long in rugby league. Let's just see you later, Mr. Smith. Go to the media. You don't have to distance yourself from rugby league, but just, yeah, but yeah. that's what I hope he does for his sake. But yeah, for sure. Knows, hey? There will definitely be a medal named after him at the Melbourne presentation. Let's put it that oh, way. Oh, yeah. Like the Cam Smith medal to replace whatever it is, for, you know, best and fairest for the team or something. I don't know. Most definitely, um, mate. And that speaking of... Win. Speaking of dinners, because uh, you mentioned, you know, um, all that sort of stuff, who would be five dinner guests, dead or alive, they could be celebrities that you would love to have at your house? All right. All right. You put me on the spot there. <laughs> I've always been a fan of boxing and MMA. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's an MMA fighter from years back called Chuck Liddell, the Iceman. Okay. He had a Melbourne like that. He was a machine and he was... Um, He's a bit like me with everything I do. No technique, but he just had a killer attitude and, you, you yeah. know, just knew how to win. Yeah. So you get your Chuck Liddell and then you move into your boxing. Um, you know, the Australian champion, Jeff Fennick, yep. um, is really yep. amazing. Um, I won't say any rugby league player. I might say, um, you know who I'd really like a rugby league player would be, um, what's his name? Jonathan Thurston. Yeah. Because we all love that laugh. Oh, mate. People say you can't hear a picture. I saw a photo of him laughing and heard it. <laughs> Mate, when I see a picture of him and his face laughing, I laugh louder. Yeah. Um, um, it's like Josh Adokar. Same with him. Josh Adokar, he's, he's amazing too. Yep. He just everything's about laughing. He, he says something and has a laugh. My fourth guess would probably be an actor. 
Um, it'd be a toss-up between Sean Connery and um, Clint Eastwood. Yep. Old-fashioned actors. Yep. And my fifth guest at my table would be yourself for inviting oh. me on tonight. And, um, yeah, you oh. could sit there and fill us in and keep us all um, oh, level-headed thanks, to say, stop talking shit, tell yeah. me the truth. Yeah, now, speaking of actors, if you could have a movie made about your life, who would you want to play you? I would say Russell Bowden, former Melbourne Storm second rower and um, roommate of mine and, and, and one of the craziest, loving, best guys you've ever met. A rugby league player has to play a rugby league player. Yep. Um, yep. And that's that's it. My mate Russell, I'll, I'll show him this podcast. Uh, he's a pain in the ass. He's a tight <laughs> ass. He's about 50 years of age. He hasn't been married yet. And I'm trying to – I ring him every month or two. I go, are you engaged yet? When are you having your wedding? He lives in Mackay. I want to go to your wedding, Russell. I want to go to your wedding. Hurry yeah, up and get best married. man. Let him be your best man and hurry up and best get married. Man. If you could have a superpower, what would it be and why? Maybe getting Russell married would be your superpower. That would be flick my uh, switch. Um, I think I'm a really big fisherman. My, mm. my one would be to um, be able to get a map and draw a line and put uh, rivers in where, where I do. So I don't have to travel too far to go fishing. Yeah. And I just put a big river out the front of my house, down the main street. Fill so it with all kinds of fish and just boom. Done. Yeah, people might say they want to fly, they want to this, that. And I said, I'd love to just be able to go fishing all the time. I've been working on my boat out there to go fishing next week and I'm an avid fisherman at the moment. I don't work. I'm not sure if you can ask the question. I don't really work at the moment. I'm a carer for my young son who's got mm-hmm. some autism and ADHD. Okay. So yep. I'm on I'm the spectrum and have ADD, which is probably obvious to yourself with if you've got a yeah. son like that. Excellent. So have I. So it's fantastic. I'm more uh, ADHD, which is fantastic. If you haven't got a bit of autism a bit of adhd you should have it exactly it levels people out Let me put this place. i wouldn't have started the podcast if it wasn't for my add because i'm always constantly doing something or wanting to do something you know good on you you've yeah. done amazing you've done amazing i've watched as i said to you earlier you've got a hundred odd podcasts now and i'm going to be a fan of it and help share it and help oh, thank you, uh, promote it it's, it's amazing what you're doing but i'm lucky enough a quick work um and I was a bit down and out. I didn't have any much mm-hmm. cash after being a tradesman. So the Men of League supported me for the last 12 to wow. 18 months. Men of big League. Big shout out to them. Big shout out to the Men of League and Peter Foreman in Melbourne and all those guys. They they supported me for the last 14, 18 months financially. Mm. Once I, like I went from a tradesman's wage down to, to, a, a, to a carer's allowance. Yeah. Two, 300 bucks a week. And, what and, trade were you, you know, working in as a fitter machinist like you were fitter before? Fitter and fitter and machinist, yeah. Yeah, I went back to doing that. I've, I've been a prison officer before in the riot yeah. squad. Okay. Um, that was a good fun job being in the riot squad because it was just like playing rugby league. You just get to tackle and tackle <laughs> yep. and um, get to knock people, people about. Yep. Look, subdue, about, but you get to um, knock them about. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So it was great that I was able to transition from earning a substantial wage down to not much for men of league helped me over the past 16, 18 months to fill the void for the financially. Mm. And I don't know what I would have done without Manor League. You know, mm. I, I don't know. So they saved me ass. And, but I'm lucky that my seven-year-old son, um, me and him have got a great bond and I'm his carer at the moment. And um, I drop him at school and then halfway through the day, like two days ago, he jumped the fence and ran off. So I got to chase him, and <laughs> which is cool. doesn't get me down anymore. I'm used to it. And keeps just, fit. Yeah, grow up, keeps me fit, keeps him fit and... I said to him, he's a bit slower getting over the fence this time than usual, but still. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. And um, what was your Netflix binge during the lockdown earlier this year? Did you have a show or a movie that you binged? Yeah, I, I watched the one, um, um, it was called Animal Kingdom. Okay. I don't know yep. if you heard of that. Um, I've heard of it, but space, I haven't seen it. 
it's just a it's just a, a family who's involved in a bit of um, extracurricular activities in the old <laughs> stealing drugs, fighting, extortion, murder. <laughs> okay. yep. And they've got a, a mum who's the matriarch of the family and she just tells them what to do and these boys are just rock stars and they just have fun. You know, yep. maybe I wanted to come back as a criminal in my um for the life, uh, former life, or next life. So. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. Well, I won't keep you much longer. I've only got three more questions. Who was your favourite player as a kid? Because you said you were, you grew up following Canterbury. Who was your favourite player? You would love this one, mate. The King, Wally Lewis. He looks oh. like me. He's bald <laughs> like me. And yep. I met him a lot of times I've met him. And to be honest, when I turned 18, um, I used to have his card in my wallet. Yeah, like my license. Yep. And I walk up to the nightclubs and the bouncers say, "Where's your ID?" And I show them the card of Wally Lewis. And they go, "Who's this?" I go, "That's the King. That's the King." I show them Wally Lewis, and they say, "Where's your real ID?" I said, "Just," and they just laugh at me and say, "Go in." Yeah. So not many people had Wally Lewis footy card in their wallet like I did. No, that's awesome. Um, and two last questions: pineapple yep. on pizza, yes or no? Well, good question. I have the pineapple on there for the juice to throw through, yep. and then I put it to the side for my wife to eat. Okay. Yep. What about you? Nah, I can't stand pineapple on pizza. It's fucking shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, it, I'm sorry. Nah, you can't. You can't do that. Um, you shouldn't cook fruit, should you? You shouldn't cook fruit. Nah. And speaking of cooking through, that actually brings up another question. How do you like your steak cooked? Because well done is the wrong answer. <laughs> Mate, I used to be well done and do it like my dad did. And then I met that Russell Bowden, that bad influence on my life. And he used to say, grab, grab the bull by the horns, smack it on the ass and put it on my plate and I'll eat it. So I'm yep. down to a rare now. Oh, I'm well, okay. I'm medium rare. I'm not a fan of rare. Just, oh, I'll go rare to medium rare, but I won't yep. won't go blue. I don't want it still mooing on my plate though. Uh, uh, that's, the, that's the smack it on the ass. Yeah, literally, yep. And last question, do you have any advice for any kids that would want to make it in the big league one day? I went back, I'll go back to something I said earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, I never made a representative team until I was 17, but I had a dream and a vision and it was never going to waver. Never, ever give up. Never, ever give up. Keep trying. If something's not working, try something else. Ask people for advice. And most importantly, have fun. Yeah.